Day I heard you call. 
go to the Lord in prayer, Lord Jesus. Lord, you're mighty and you're great, Lord. You're all powerful. Lord, we can look back at our lives and look from the moment that you saved us to the, to the things that you've done in our Christian walk and journey and how you've rescued us and delivered us and saved us and sanctified us and filled us with your spirit. Oh, we thank you for your great power, Lord, and for your love towards us, for your promise that you'd never leave us or forsake us, oh God. And Lord, that you're with us through it all, Lord, no matter the storm, no matter the trial, Lord, you're with us, oh God. And Lord, we come to you this night, Lord. I, I just pray you'd take this little service, Lord, all that would be, Lord. I, I just commit myself to you, Lord. I, I'm not sure how to do it, but Lord, you do, Lord. And I pray you take the speaker, the hearer, every part. Lord, you know how we come, Lord, with many needs and deep things on our hearts, Lord. There's, there's, there's trials, there's storms, there's things around us. But, oh God, Lord, it's in you, in that mighty place of refuge, that we can find strength and peace and security and deliverance. And, Lord, it's, it's that place that you, that you meet us there, Lord. I pray that we could meet you there tonight, Lord. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. God bless you, and thank you to the musicians and singing wonderful atmosphere tonight. Maybe we could oh, turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. And God bless you all. It's good to be here. It's been, it, was a, it was a full month with Hannah and I. I think at the beginning of the month, we were, we were gone a bunch of Sundays. You might not have, we were, I guess, probably missing over there, but met Brother Ziggs and then Brother Jerry's, and then we were Brother Dwayne Fairs in Saskatoon, and then Brother Barry's in Calgary, and it was a crazy month, but we made it, I guess. And um, maybe they'll never invite us back, because, you know, but, but it was good to be out, and, and good, to, good to be out, and God was faithful. And tonight, I'll, by God's grace, I want to take a little thought that I, I don't, I thought I knew where I was going yesterday, and then this morning it kind of changed, and I, I don't know exactly how to take it, but maybe God would, you pull and we'll just see what happens, but if I could take this title tonight, Prepared for the Oncoming Storm, and actually I think I even said Prepared for Your Oncoming Storm. And we've been through many things and we're in the middle of many things, but God's made a provision for us. Amen. And there's a place that we can stand under his wings. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And that's a promise that it'll beat on every single one of us. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall thereof. But I want to look at the strong man, and we want to focus to the strong man and the, the wise man tonight. God bless you. You can have your seats now. I think back to, to Sunday school and how we would sing that song, the wise man built his house upon the rock, and building up, I, mean, I think I'm doing the actions for building up the temple, actually, but the wise man built his house upon the rock, and, the, and, the, and the, the, the rains came down, and the floods came up, and the rains came down, and the floods came out, and the house on the rock stood firm. But the foolish man came, and he built his house upon the sand, and the rains came down, and the floods came up, and the rains came down, and the floods came out, and the house on the sand it went splat, it went smash, whatever we did. I think we all fell down in Sunday school or whatever we all did. 
but there's a truth to that saying. And I want to say tonight, whether we're, we, we say that we're either in a storm, we're coming out of a storm, and we're getting ready to go back into a storm. And, and, and we can sit tonight, no matter what situation we're in, I guess I don't know exactly where we're going tonight, how it will work, but I'm going to just jump into the thought. But I don't know where you're in tonight. If you're in a storm or if you're leaving a storm or you're going into a storm or you feel like you've been in a storm for year after year after year, God's got a place and a way to be prepared for it. No matter what we're up against, no matter what seems to come our way, God's in control. And God's not left us defenseless or without a refuge and a place. Brother Brandon would preach the message, The Oncoming Storm, and he would talk about the importance of being prepared for a storm. Now, a storm, a storm can be all kinds of different things. In our Canadian environment, it could be what we saw the other day when we came home on Sunday night and there was drifts up to here with snow and a snowstorm that came and can make vehicles go out and ice on the roads. A storm, something that in of your own strength, if it was your own humanity in your t-shirt and jeans, so to speak, you would die. It would require preparation to overcome what came against you. If you were in, uh, in Hawaii or in Florida and you had a hurricane come through, you'd have to be in a place of shelter and preparation. If you were only in your t-shirt and jeans, so to speak, you would die. You would drown. A storm, something bigger than I or you or me or any of us can handle in our own selves, it takes a preparation. It takes something that we've put on. It takes something, some forethought or foresight to how can I prepare for the storm. But God's given us something. Now, now, Brother Branham would preach. Now, we're speaking tonight, he says, on the coming storm. And if I fail in words to express what I feel in my heart, I pray the Holy Spirit would reveal it. Jesus was speaking here, he took that scripture that we read, of a coming storm which has got to strike every man and every woman that's born in the world. There's just no way out of it. I, I wish there was a way out of it, but there isn't. The storm will strike you sometime or other. And it depends on what kind of a foundation that you have, whether your house will weather it or not. Now, I know this, there's a part of the service that's negative, but I do want to look at that God has made a way. But we'll have to go on to the negative. And he, and he tells a striking story right at the start of this message. He says, now, there's been many lives saved because of preparation for storms and there's been many lives lost because of failing to take heed of the, uh, of the storms, of the warnings of the storms that's coming. Now, I, I think as, as Christians, as believers, not only there's, there's a storm of judgment that's coming to the world, and if we're prepared for that storm, we don't get to go through it. But there's also storms in our lives that come, and, and, and perhaps, I, I don't know exactly how this has just come to me, but perhaps there's a storm coming our way, or perhaps whatever would be, but let's take this thought now and get into it and say, God, how can I be prepared for whatever, I know my weak spot, I know where my weaknesses are, I know where Satan can have a punch coming to me even. How can I be prepared to keep the punches off of me? I, I, I was thinking about this, and maybe this, but I was thinking about this. Would we be prepared, or something to this effect, would we be prepared, that spot where we've been hit and fallen before, but we've overcome, we've, we've been mocking, we've been going forward, but what if we were hit like never before in that same spot? Would we be ready for it? 
Would we, would we have our defenses? Have we backed off and gotten a little bit, I've overcome, I'm, I'm walking with God. But what if that storm hit right there? What if that storm hit us in a spot we weren't even expecting? A new place, a new attack, a new, what if we're in the middle of it right now and it feels like all we're getting is pummeled by the rain and the wind and the snow and the storm? What are we doing to say, God, I want to be inside in that hiding place? I want to be in that place where there's, there's a place of refuge, that I'm strong, not of my own strength, but in the refuge of God, in his presence. Now, there's been many lives saved because of preparation for storms. Now, he says, not long ago, I, I was told a story I believed I read in the newspaper down in Florida, and they have many great storms that sweeps through Florida, typhoons that come in off the sea and brings the water for city blocks up into the city and sweeps everything out. And he said, I'm told that he called them their weather prophets are always on the lookout for such storms. And some way through the elements, they can contact the changing of weather and, and atmosphere that which way the weather is gathering that will bring forth one of these storms because they've made it a life study. And, and, and by certain instruments and things that science has provided them, them calling ahead and hearing which way a storm is coming, how much wind it's got behind, all these things, they're prepared, they're looking. And we can, maybe now we don't have these same people, but we have, we have our apps, we have our forecasts that tell us what's coming and when. Now, there's been many great storms that, that would sweep through. He would say, and dropping, I went back to the, I could stop here and preach an hour on that, that it takes a greater storm, he says, now, how much wind it's got behind him, the storm, and which way other storms are coming, them winds which is able to combat or shove away the storm. He says, I could preach an hour on that. It takes a greater storm that's coming. It takes, when you've got a storm coming your way, it takes a higher winded storm to blow it back the other way. And so it is today. We know we've got an oncoming storm, and the only wind, capital W, that I know that can turn that storm will be the rushing wind that fell on the day of Pentecost. The only thing that can fight a fiery storm is that, that same fire that's born inside of us that can push back. The only way to fight fire if you want to push it back. But there's a wind that we've gotten with us that's greater than any storm. It can be allowed to come at us, but it can't take us. It can't finish us. It can't finish your family. It can't finish your loved ones. There's a greater wind than this that can push back the oncoming storm. I say tonight we're prepared. If I can confess that and, and we believe it and we get into the word, we're prepared. How to prepare, but be prepared for your oncoming storm. There's only one thing that can turn that storm, and that's a more powerful storm that can beset it and change its course. And I was reading, I just forget now, I believe it was in the newspaper, of a few years ago, a storm on the way across Florida, central Florida, uh, all in the regions, and, and he had just left there. And there was a neighbor man who kept in contact with the radio all the time. And because of these storms, and he was a very renowned Christian, and he heard that a great typhoon was coming that way, twisting down the trees, and everyone was warned to get to safety. And he thought of his neighbor who had a chicken farm right beside him, nearby, and, and some light buildings with their chickens in them, their border, brooder houses and so forth in their pens, where they had all their life, their life's earnings, their life work was tied into these chicken farm, into this chicken farm that they had, these light buildings that wouldn't have stood up well against a storm. And he rushed, that Christian man that was paying attention to the radio, was listening for the storms, was wondering what would happen, and he rushed frantically to the gate. 
He'd stopped his car, he jumped out, and he said to his fellow neighbor, take all the chickens, put them in the storm shelter, and you rush over to my house, my storm shelter, and there's coming a typhoon or a storm that's going to twist everything down. And the man stood there, looked him in the face, and laughed at him. And said, nonsense, I've heard such predictions of things before, and it never did happen. And oh, we've heard many such predictions of the end of the world in a rapture. And some will say, oh, but it never did happen. But this Christian man said, the Christian man was so excited, he said, but what if it does happen? What if this storm does come? What if this time that typhoon is coming? What what do you have to lose to get into safety? We hear remarks along that line, well, I've heard of this going to happen and that going to happen. But Brother Branham says, but it's going to happen one of these days. And it behooves us to listen to every warning. But the man, this man said, I have no time for such foolishness. I raise chickens and I have no time for such. And he cried out. And the Christian man said, in the name of God, leave those chickens alone. And he says, John, I guess. John, and come quickly. You and your family, if you don't want to believe it, let your family come. If you don't want to believe it, then let your family come. You can stay here, but just at least give them. What if it's true? And he said, I'll not leave my children to be excited over some radio broadcast. My, my, my children and I have decided we'll live as I live. My wife will listen to me because I'm the breadwinner. She must listen to me. I'm the boss here. I'll not have my children all excited or tore up about some nonsense. And he turned away from the warning. The neighbor turned. He went back home into his shelter. And all of a sudden, the clouds was upon him before they knew it. That's the way that judgment strikes, he says. It comes so sudden. Oh, you wonder how it can get there so quick. He says, how I've seen cruel men who once cursed God fall and scream and say, how could you treat me this way? He he says, the the whole foundation, everything was swept out out from under that, from from that, that cruel man in a moment. It pays to take warning. He says, oh, you might laugh at the messenger. You might even be able to kill him, but you cannot kill the message. It'll go on just the same. God's message is eternal. His words will never fail. Paul was successful in having Stephen stoned, but all through his life until he surrendered to Christ, he was never able to get away from that message. I've seen heavens open and Jesus sitting at the right hand of God or standing at the right hand of God. Now, while that storm swept through the country, it caught the chicken house and the farmer and they never found his body. But what about his family? Oh, it's a sickening story, really. And his wife frantically fighting. They lived close to the great Okikachi Lake and, and, and the waters began to rise as the typhoon lifted all the waters all the way from the bottom of the lake. That's what makes them so dangerous, he says. They're shallow and the boats rock and that's how the waves come and turn the boats beneath them and the storms come and just whirl up the water and packs it for miles. The water is sweeping until the mother, the mother knew there was no hope. Her husband was gone. They said they never found the body. There's no hope but to get her children on top of the building. And she got her children and got them to the top of the building holding onto the chimney of the house. And then the wildlife, he says, the cottonmouth moccasin, a snake, I believe more deadly snake than your diamondback rattler, they were crawling for safety and they come up on the roof with her. 
and the story got worse. And, and, listening, and by listening to her husband and not taking heed, I'll say, to the word of God, yes, we obey, but there's a place where we have to be in the Lord and following God first above all. He said they were crawling for safety, and by her listening to her husband, not taking heed to the warning, she stomped, she beat, but she had to stand and watch those vicious snakes bite her children until they died on the roof. And the mother, I was shocked even listening to this story, Brother Branham would tell. The, 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 the mother herself was bitten so much till she finally died. The only way they got the story after the storm had quietened and the search parties out hunting for bodies, they found her laying on the roof with her children. A warning not heeded. A storm that had come through so suddenly that it didn't just take out the man that had made a wrong choice, but it had taken out this whole other, his family. And, and oh, if he could have only went back, I'm sure he could have thought there as, as that rich young ruler would, would cry out in hell and look across the chasm and, and see. He, maybe he could look across the chasm and see, why wouldn't I heed a warning that would save my life? Brother Branham, oh, it pays to take warning. The first thing to do before there can be a warning, he says, there has to be a preparation for the safety or there's no need of even sending a warning. If we go out and there's a warning for a storm, maybe a, a hurricane coming up against some Florida city, if they haven't built up the banks and they haven't set up the dams and they haven't built it all just right, the warning isn't going to do a whole lot other than evacuate as fast as you can because there was no preparation made. But there... The warning is only the and the voice of and the warning is only a voice of one having you to prepare for the danger. There has to be a preparation first. I, I believe tonight we're we're in a battle like never before. We're in a fight like never before. And what's become more real to me in the last weeks even is how we're not just in a natural battle. We know this, but it's just become more real. We're not just in a natural battle of a job and a day-to-day -day life and a work. We were born with five senses, see, taste, feel, smell, and hear, but, but really the battle that we're fighting and the land that we're striving to overcome in the Holy Ghost is a spiritual land of spiritual promises and God's looking to perfect that realm. Our body will be changed in the moment of a twinkling of an eye. And yes, there's healing for the body, but God's really more focused on dealing with that spiritual realm and, and forming from the inside out a character. And that's why he allows storms to come. He allows them to come to shape us on the inside that we'd grow in faith and in trust in the Lord. We'd have our faith tested to see, do we really believe it or not? In the midst of odds that seem impossible, but will I take faith on the inside and blow out every doubt of my imagination, conscience, affections, reason? In this battleground of the mind, will I blow it all out? Will I push it all out, clear the channels, build up the walls, and stay right in that city, that place of refuge? Now, in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, as they would enter the promised land. Uh, maybe I'll, the, the original thought I had for tonight was something around guarding or protecting the borders of your land. So I might dwell in there a little bit or a lot. We'll see. But Joshua chapter 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan. Go over this death to self. Enter the land of the Holy Spirit, 
We must be born again by one spirit. We're all baptized into this body. And now we begin to walk. Go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given you. And let's never back up from that. When we look across our land, this land that we've been given of joy and love and peace, not just to be healthy, wealthy, and wise in the natural flesh, but a land of love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and meekness and goodness, and a place that no matter what the outside looks like, on the inside we're saved and secure with God, looking for what soul we can bring in and, and how we can be an influence and how we can say, will you love Jesus more, not just me? When we enter that realm, as we survey that land, there's many promises. Physical healing, spiritual healing, thy and thy house shall be saved of freedom and of deliverance. Survey the land and then begin to walk in it. When you see that promise in the land and you say, I need a little more peace in my life, go walk to it and begin to survey the land and say, that's within my land. And when any storm comes or any Amalekite comes or anything comes up to the border of your land or if you find them on your land, kick them out. Kick him out. He has no right to be there. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon. And then he would begin to lay out these borders of the land from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river of Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea going towards down of the sun shall be your coast. I think in one place it would talk about the, the river of Egypt all the way to the river of Euphrates, that sort of thing, the Nile all the way to the Euphrates. There was these borders that were set out of this land. And this was the place that they were to come, and this is the place they were to stay, and this is the place that they were safe. They had no promise in Egypt, and they had no promise in Babylon across the Euphrates. We have no promise in the world. We have no promise of success. Yes, I wish above all things that you'd prosper and be in good health as your soul would prosper, start with that. But we have no promise in the world. What we have a promise is that God will provide for us. But what we have a promise for truly is that in this battle of the mind and in this battle of the world that we face in and in this battle that we're learning to live and realize it's more spiritual than we realize, we have a promise to overcome in that realm. And in all others, it will go to all realms. It, 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 ultimately, it will take over this natural body and we'll all be young again. Some of us younger than others and some of us will be older than others. Or, well, we'll all equal out, but some will be older than you are now. Anyway. But in this realm that we fight, it, became, it started to become more real to me that we live in a spiritual realm. More, more and more, I, I believe we're learning as the bride how to overcome at a spiritual level, through prayer, through faith, and recognizing not just uh, that's a, a human being and, and they're against me, but there's a spirit there. Yeah. That not just recognizing this is a, a bad song and a bad atmosphere, but there's an atmosphere there that's pulling me away from God. Not, not just that this is a, a trial and a natural trial, but the devil is trying to distract me and discourage me. And it's more spiritual than I realize. If we could sit and realize sometimes maybe you're in the shop working or you're in school or, or you're sitting in your office chair and you begin to have a mind battle. If you could take a moment to zoom out and see the spiritual realm, what you'd see hovering around you is a devil. 
buzzing around, trying to get your attention. This is what we ought to realize more and more. That battleground, we're not just surrounded by a negative thought, but there's a devil actually trying to shoot at us, trying to get us to open our mind up, to, to, to just turn for a moment and look at it, or just like Eve, just consider it for a moment and begin to open a path that would then turn our lives down the wrong path. And and I'll say this tonight, the devil has every right to send every thought that he's ever sent your way, your way. He has every right. And we have every right, as the children of God, to kick him back out again. Oh, he has every right to send these crazy wild thoughts sometimes. He has every single right. If God allowed it, he'd allowed it. But we have every right. There's no temptation that we're not able to handle or bear. God doesn't give us more than we can handle. But when we stay in Christ, we can turn and just begin to shoot it out of the air again and shoot it out of the air again. He can come. He can fly over. But he can't stay. He can't stay. I begin to think about a couple of world events over, over the last dec- couple decades even. But if you go back to September 11th, 2021, many of us can remember right where we were that day when we saw it. I, was, I think I was six years old, five years old, but I still remember it was violin lessons that day. We didn't have a TV at home, but I remember seeing it on the screen right in that waiting room. These planes or whatever, however it all was, hit that, those two towers, and they went down. And, and, and the world was shocked. America was shocked. America, the leader of the free world, and, and, and all of these things that, and, and, and their, their, you could say their innocence was shattered, and they realized that their, their, their defenses had been breached by another nation. These planes were turned around and hijacked and four different planes were sent out. Two hit the Twin Towers, one crashed and one hit the Pentagon and, 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 and their land, the land of the, the home and brave and, and those things, that this, this place that of security and they have the homeland security, all the, this, this place of peace and security and freedom had been breached by something. There was an attack or a storm or, or something that had come that they were not prepared for. Something had breached their security. Something had taken, and there they were. And 2,000 some, almost 3,000 people died that day for a storm or an attack or something they weren't prepared for. They weren't ready for the storm that had come. Last year, October 7th, 2023, the country of Israel. That night, as I kind of know the story a little bit, maybe not well, but they, Israel should have even known. They had, a, they, had, they had records of battle plans that they had found. There, there, there had been training going on across the way from Hamas, but they, they didn't believe that Hamas really wanted a war. and they, they didn't really think that their enemy wanted to kill them. And sometimes we can get that way. They didn't really feel that, 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 that the training that was going on was, was maybe that serious. I think there was one analyst that had found these war plans and was trying to get it up the chain, but it wasn't really heard. But in the middle of the night that night, there was a, some, something about a thousand Israeli new SIM cards that were launched as these Hamas terrorists began to set up their phones for an attack. And then the, the military in Israel began to have meetings even in the middle of the night. Is this a real threat? Is there not? There's like a thousand some SIM cards that went up or whatever it was. And there, there, there's, there's movements and whatever all they could see, whatever it was. And they thought, well, well they, and there was no real response. They weren't ready for it. 
And that day, these, these border walls that they had so touted and so believed in, the big bulldozers came up to the border walls and began to tear the border walls down, and men on motorcycles just began to drive on in. And, 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 and other men on hang gliders began to come in, and I think others came in from the sea, and Israel was attacked in a brutal, brutal way, shooting and, and, and more and more in an ugly way, an attack they weren't ready for. And in that moment back then, I had begun to think, well, what, could attack, what kind of attack could we have that we wouldn't even be prepared for? Or, or what could be the spiritual parallel? May God prepare us. And, 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 and we've seen crisis. We've seen moments. We've seen things that have come against us, even in recent times. But God is standing for his people. God has never forgotten Israel. And God will never forget his people. God will never forget his people. But there were these attacks, and, and even now, there's still a hundred some hostages left, and the enemy holding the people, the family members of the people of Israel. Oh, let me say this, Israel's going in, and they're going for every last hostage that they can, and we're going in for every last lost loved one that we can. There won't be, Israel might not recover all, but I'll say we, as the bride of Christ, he cannot lose one of them. There's not a weapon that's formed against us that will prosper. Oh, they'll be formed, but there's not one that will prosper. And no matter who we're holding on to or, or who we're, we're looking to say, God, I need you to rescue them. God's on the way. It won't just be by, by warfare and guns and fighting, but send out that weapon of faith. But how can we prepare for, for that oncoming storm? We have... We have temptations we fight in the land, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, but we're made a three-part being. We're made a, a, a soul and then a spirit, and, and that's the realm that we're in so much in our minds, and then a body that contacts this earthly home, and, and, but we get so caught up in the flesh many times, and, and many times we try to fight the fight that we're fighting our own way to step into our own battleground and, and begin to, to try to do things of our own strength. But God's got a higher way. He's got a place that he wants us to dwell in, a place for us to stand still and to see the salvation of the Lord. We have a place that we can dwell in, a land. In Psalms, I wonder if I can find it in time, but Psalms 37 would talk about enjoying, dwelling in the land and being fed in the land. I want to dwell in my land. I want to learn to walk in my land of the Holy Ghost. I want to learn that the way that I've overcome, there's a scripture that says, nevertheless, whereto you've already attained, the place, the, how you ever got this far, whether you're just baptized or just sanctified or filled with the Holy Ghost or, or whether you're an adopted son of God, nevertheless, whereto you've already attained, let us walk in the same rule, let us mind the same thing. So what is that saying? It, it, we can think, how can I grow? Brother Ed's been talking about adoption. How can I reach adoption? And it's, it's just finding your place in Christ. It's a deep thing, and yet it's a simple thing. Walk and keep walking the same way you've been walking. That same way that you overcame and got your joy, go find your peace. That same way that you overcame lust and all of those things, go fight your temper. That same way that, 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 that you can say, I, I want to find my purpose in life. How, how do I find my purpose? Well, how did God lead you to that job or, or, or to that other place in life or to show you what gifts you had? Keep walking. 
Sometimes it's waiting, sometimes it's trying something and failing and then trying this and then waiting on God and, and then God makes it work. And I'll tell you, when God opens doors, he opens doors. And it just works so well. But where you've already got this far with Christ, keep walking. And I'll say this, in the ways that you prepared before and, and, and how do we prepare? Get into the word. Read in the morning, pray in the morning, spend time with Christ, go for that walk and turn on a tape. Those things that dwell in that atmosphere and in that spiritual realm are what gives us the strength and leads us to overcoming. Hope this is okay tonight. But as much as we can get focused on a natural land, there's a spiritual land. May we dwell in the spiritual land. Now, I believe this, that our mind, maybe I'll change gears for a moment, and one of the things that we fight the most, and it is the greatest battle ever fought, is the battles we fight within our mind. There's a sermon that Brother Andrew took a few years ago that still sticks with me, the maturity of a thought or the maturing of a thought and, and how true it is that the, the worst criminal you'll find in the jail cell in the Edmonton Max today, whatever they did started with a thought that they nurtured and nurtured and nurtured. And the strongest Christian that you know today also started with a good thought and fed it and let it grow and let the word of God grow in their hearts and went down the right. So we can have wrong thoughts coming and right thoughts, but what we allow to mature in our lives is what leads us to sin or leads us to a, a character-filled life in Christ. Now, I believe our, our mind is our inheritance. It, it says in, it, it is a part of our inheritance in the land, and it's laid out in the Scripture, 2 Timothy 1.7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. For uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful. He'll not suffer you to be tempted. We can be tempted physically, but even in our mind, these thoughts... Above that which you are able, but with the temptation will make a way of escape. 2 Corinthians 10.5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So I'll say, oh, it takes a close walk with God, but it says we could take every thought. Will, will, we, will we always get it right? I, 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 we won't be perfect until we get a body change. We won't be perfect until we get a body change. But take every, take every thought into captivity. When it goes down the wrong path, and you know you started to even think it, take it into captivity. Oh, he has every right to send that thought your way, that devil. But take it into captivity and say, no, this is my land. This is the place that I can dwell in. I'm taking control of my thought life. Now, a set of verses that, or a verse that struck me is in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 to 15. I'm sorry, I only gave you one scripture in the back, so this is, but Hebrews chapter 12, follow me for a moment. It says this, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, nevertheless, afterward it yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Then it says this, wherefore lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. And then it says, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. 
Now, I, there's different ways you could take this scripture. Even in other translations, it, it talked about maybe not stumbling someone so that they would be, that was lame, they would be turned out of the way or something to that effect, if I remember right. But I, I, I want to look at it at a spiritual way and in our mind and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. The paths that you walk through normally in your mind when this happens, I think this, and I go down a downward spiral. I go down to de- depression or anxiety. Or, or I, When this happens, I usually walk this way. Or In the morning, I, I get up and I begin to read and pray. And, or in the morning, I don't. The paths that we have, these wires, even science would say there's paths in our mind that are wired. And as we wear down these paths in our mind, they become easier to repeat and easier to repeat. Make straight paths for your feet. Lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. Lest we stumble. Lest we fall yet another time. But let it rather be healed. These complexes in our lives that we build up year after year and we build a big structure. Oh, it can take some time to tear it down. I know. But I also know it's beautiful when, when, when we begin to feel that freedom of that complex being torn down. And, and we have a straight path for our mind begin to be worn. Where, that, that where I'd normally go down to a spiral or where I'd normally do this or that or I'd fall or I'd see the wrong thing. But when I let it begin to be healed and I let the Spirit of God come and, and, and I can't do it of my own self. But when He comes... I can have not just a healing naturally, but I can have a healing spiritually in my mind. Brother Branham would talk about these, I think he would even say comic books and things for children, preparing their little mind for a blast. So I'll say, what is Satan trying to prepare our minds for? A storm. But if there's straight paths in our mind... If there's a path that we have that we only look to the promises of God and and we hold to the word of God like nothing else, we hold with a bulldog faith. Oh, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, but the size of the fight inside the dog. If we hold to that, no blast that comes against us can ever shake us. If you want, I have written down messages to look at or study. How can I overcome or the greatest battle ever fought? Brother Branham, the greatest battle ever fought. Satan's army brings diseases, and God's army is commissioned to cast them out. Oh, he would say in the message, Satan's Eden, but I thought I would try to bring something to your mind with these scriptures I got written down here that would enlighten you. To know you how to make, to know how to make a better soldier, make you a better soldier in the field that you're fighting in now to learn the tactics of the enemy so that you can block everything before it gets to you. That's the main thing, is to learn to keep the punches off of you as much as you can. The ultimate form, if much as we can, is to have that greater wind in us, that when the storm comes, we send it back. Now there's storms that are allowed to come and, and buffet us. That, there's those types of storms too. But the, the storms that come us on a daily basis trying to get to us, trying to take us down, the temptations, the things that want to send us down to a negative thought path or, or, or a downward spiral or something, that greater wind. That's what we want inside of us. We want to learn to keep the punches off of us, to learn, to know yourself, to learn your weaknesses, to know your strengths. Begin to say, when I do this, it's not good. But when I do this, oh, I begin to see victory. When I confess the positive, 
I see victory. Now, our borders, there was borders around the land of Egypt, or, well, of Egypt too, but of Israel, around the land of Canaan. And, and these borders, Genesis would say, 1518, the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, unto thy seed have I given thee this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river of Euphrates. And Exodus 23, 31, I'll set thy bounds from the Red Sea, even unto the Sea of the Philistines, from the desert unto the river, for I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hands, and thou shalt drive them out before thee. So the children of Israel were sent into the land to go into their land and push all the enemies out to the borders. They had no inheritance across the borders. That, that, was, that was other people's land. But they had a place to come and say, this is my mountain, that's my mountain, that's my hill, that's my river, that's my stream, this is mine, and I need to protect my borders. I have to guard my borders. I have to watch them. How many has ever crossed the American border? Or any border for that mine? There's someone there in the booth and, and they're there to ask you questions and see if you'll, you'll stumble in your train of thought or whatever story you're giving them of why you're going and who you're going to go see and where you're going to be after and how long you're going to be there and where you're going to stay and when you're going to come back. And they ask these questions and they try to catch you. And, but what they're doing is a noble task. They're defending their borders. They're, they're, they're there for a purpose and a reason to say that we, we will not allow threats to come into our land. We will not allow terrorism in our land. We'll not allow illegal drug trafficking and these things in our land. But what we will allow, because it's not just a closed border, what we will allow is good visitors, trade, commerce, these things that will benefit our nation. But the things that will not benefit our nation, we will not allow. How about our minds? How about our spiritual life? It, it, there is gates that are allowed to open. There's different channels that are allowed to flow. But they have to be stopped from the wrong and started from the right. I, I thought of this. I thought sometimes we get so concerned about what we eat or don't eat or our physical part of our lives and bodies. And why well, this just. But what if we were more concerned? Or I'll say this as concerned as our, as our physical diet, if we were as concerned as our, about our spiritual diet and the things that we feed on. You ever notice it's called a news feed? That means you're eating it. It's like a trough and you're scrolling through and whatever comes next, you're consuming it with the gate of your eyes. It's called a news feed or a social media feed. If we were as concerned about our spiritual diet, but the things that we'd let in and out and the things that make us spiritually sick, oh God, may we tighten up the border security. And, and say, I, I saw that Christian there, they, they, they had blown up, or this person, how they went off a down trail, or what led them there? I don't want to go there. That thought, that's something that led them there. I want to stay sane and secure under the blood of Jesus Christ, and I want to be living in my promised land. Now, what's interesting is that promised land was not typed, Brother Bradham would say, in adoption too, I believe, it was not the type of heaven. Why? Because there was fighting in that land. And I'll say this, if you want your peace or your joy tonight, you have to go fight for it. You have to fight for your peace. You have to, you have to fight for the promises of God. You have to fight for every inch of ground. It's, it took possession and steps. Every soul was possession, but that didn't mean that there was an enemy right there trying to stop you from stepping there. You have to kill him. You have to get him out of the way. Your footsteps are possession. This isn't heaven. This is the promised land, and we have to fight for it. 
We have to dwell in the land and overcome every part. Brother Branham would say, I'm told that the eye of a snake, looking at the unseen, can catch, if he can catch the eye of a bird and get a direct hold on that bird, he can make that bird come off, right off of his roost and flutter around and around, come right down into the snake's mouth. That snake is powerless on the ground, but that eye of a serpent, that eye of a snake, was hypnotizing. Is hypnotizing. If it could catch that eye of a bird, I'm told that the eye of a snake is so powerful that when it catches the eye of a bird, it charms him, lures him right into the snake. They say that bird will flutter around and around, and if it don't quickly start raising up its head, looking to the right thing, turning its mind away, and looking to the promises of God, and start shaking from the snake. It'll never free itself. The only way it can free itself. The enemy comes with so many things. There's many different kinds of storms. We have natural storms, but spiritual storms. There's, there's crises and loss, grief. There's, there, there, there's temptation. There, there's, a, there's a lack of purpose you can feel, and it can be a storm. There, there, there's, there, there's, there can be searching for the will of God in your life. There's different things that, even in the waiting or in patience, uh, the time when we really don't know something, we don't understand, and we don't know, and we don't understand why, can be among such a difficult type of storm. There's other storms that can crisis around us, and loved ones, and there's all kinds of storms that we have to learn how to handle and contend with. But I'll say this, like Peter walking on the water, if you get your eyes on the storm, you'll sink. But if we can turn our eyes to Christ, if we can enter that city of refuge, that place in Christ Jesus, and, and we can say, oh God, no matter what the storm and the winds assail me, I'm here and anchored in Christ Jesus. They'll let the storms of life, I'll, 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 I'll brace them, I'll, I'll push through them. They can rage. There's the place to be. So many things come at us. And it can seem so dark. Brother Branham would say, usually God lets you get to the last end of the road, the last mile of the way, then he steps in. If you're a seed of Abraham, believe God and hold his promise for healing, for salvation, for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Whatever it is, whatever the enemy is, God lets you get sometime right to the end of the road. And it looks worse ever than it ever did. The doctor will say there's no chance. But you're the seed of Abraham. Amen. With the promise that you shall possess the gate of every enemy. It can seem so dark, but look to the light. This is a light that will not blind you. This is a light that, not like the sun that, that you look at and go blind naturally, but this is a light that you'll look at and all the things of life will go so dim and, and so strangely dim, but you'll see like you've never seen before. Now, in the, in the book of Proverbs, I wonder if we could turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 25, and we'll just go down this path for a, for a little bit and we won't keep you too long, don't worry. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. Now, there's, a, there's a, an interesting theme in the Bible that has to do with the walls around a city. And the walls around a city were very, very important. 
I'll say this, if you had a city in ancient times and Jericho was a known historical city, that an early city with walls around it. Babylon was known for great walls around it, and there was different places that would have these walls around it, and there was the Great Wall of China. There's these walls that would keep the enemy out and the people inside safe. And now, what was interesting in civilization was before walls were really a thing, as they would say, or one journalist was talking about, all men would do all day was thinking about who could come out of the bushes and who would jump into their city and kill them. So all they did all day was prepare for battle. That was all they could think about was who was coming out. But when walls came up, they could, culture increased, uh, science, intellect, all these things. They didn't have to think about fighting all the time because there was a wall there. And, they, and the journalist was saying that was when men became weaker and all this stuff or whatever they were saying. But it, it was a place, something like that. But when walls came up, you could relax a little because there was a wall there. You didn't have to think about who was coming out all the time. They had to get through that wall to get to you. And a good wall was, was worth, you know, its weight in stone or something. Proverbs 25, verse 28, it says this, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. That's our second realm, our spiritual realm. He that hath no rule over his own spirit the mind, the battleground, has no walls around his mind, the battleground. Has no walls around his place, that his inheritance. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Now, walls were so important. We know that in the book of Nehemiah and Ezra, there was this rebuilding of Jerusalem. And one of the things that they rebuilt was the, the temple. But the other thing that they had to rebuild was the walls around the city. They had to rebuild the walls. They had been torn down brick by brick by the enemy. And God had allowed it because of their sins. But there was a rebuilding that had come. And if, if you go through history, walls were, were so important. And it would say in the Bible that he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that's broken down and without walls. And I want to say tonight, what breaches our walls? What do we find that there's gates in our walls? Memory, imagination, conscience, affection, reason. See, taste, feel, smell, hear. These are different gates that come in. And they're different walls that they're looking. And what they're aiming for is the heart of the matter, the soul within the city. They're aiming to put doubt and unbelief and ultimately kill us. Hamas had no intention of just being gentle. They were looking to kill the enemy. They're, they're, they're the man that, um, that man that set out the attack um, on, on the Americans in 9-11, he, he, he declared jihad against America a few years earlier. He had every intent of killing, not just, you know, going in. The same devil hates us despises us and looks at us with complete disdain, looking how he can breach the walls with the wrong thought, the wrong thing, the wrong symptom, the wrong thing that catches our eye, looking to kill us. God's more powerful. I want to add that in. But the gates, I ask, what are the gates? Where are the breaches that we find in our walls? Have our walls been torn down sometimes? Is there sections of the walls that seem like the enemy just seems to walk right in and seems to have his free reign? Or do we have strong walls that the devil comes with blow after blow and we can hear him, but, but like Elijah with that on Mount Carmel, he says, cry a little louder, maybe your God's been sleeping. That's a good place to be. 
These walls around the city are, are, are so important. David, I wonder if we could turn to Psalms 51. David would, 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 uh, would, would sin a great sin. His walls would have a breach in them. And he would look at the wrong thing and he would see Bathsheba. And then he would devise a plan to, to, to cover up the wrong act that he did with Bathsheba. What happened? Something had breached in. A sin had breached in and was conceived. And here was the prayer. Nathan confronts him. But this is fascinating, this prayer that he prays. We know most of it well. But there's one part I wonder if we've noticed before. Psalms 51, verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgression. My sin and my sin is ever before thee. Verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God. He begins to talk about a rebuilding and a refreshing. And he says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me, a mind. Renew the right mind, the right place, the right Holy Spirit even, whatever it would be in context within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. I think I would say a right spirit, a right mindset. Because then it says, cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. Verse 17, follow this closely. Then he says this, the sacrifices of God are, of a, are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. And then he says this, he changes gears entirely, and he says, do good in thy pleasure, good pleasure unto Zion. And he says, build thou the walls of Jerusalem. At the end of this prayer, create in me a clean heart, O God. I've sinned against thee and thee only and, and all these things. But he catches something greater. And he begins to realize what happened. I, 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 my walls were torn down. And he says, oh, do good, thy good pleasure unto Zion. Rebuild these walls of my mind. Let me never fall in this way again. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Brother Branham Kill him at the beginning. Stop him dead in his tracks. It ain't how long you can make him linger. Stop it right now. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Now, there was a city in Germany named Berlin. And they had a wall in their city. And it was a different kind of wall. It wasn't the same thing as having a wall around the city, but there was a wall called the Berlin Wall in the middle of the city. And it divided East and West Germany. And it was, the, it was the sign of the struggle of the West versus communism back in the day. And, and, and it was that place where the Soviet Union had their control or their influence, however, and the West had their influence. And it was a wall in the middle of the city. A great big ugly wall full of graffiti if you ever see a picture of it. But there was a day where that wall was torn down. It was a strange series of events that led to it if you ever look into it. But there they were, and these young people, there, there was people begin to flood through the wall and tear down the wall and walk through the wall. And, and it was that symbol of the collapse at the time of communism. What that wall did, it divided families. I think J John F. Kennedy, I think, would talk about how it divides families and it divides friends and all these things. It was a divisive wall. It was something there that would, would hold people back from who they should have been rightfully around. And I'll say this, we need walls outside our city and we, not, we need not a single wall inside our city. There's no place for complexes in the middle of my mind. There's no places of division between me and my brother in the middle of my mind. There's no place for a wall inside. 
The walls can be outside keeping the enemy, but I want free trade, free course, free everything. There's a, he who the Spirit has set free and the Son has set free is free indeed. This is the place that I want to have complete and total freedom. I don't want any wall in the middle. Now, this wall would come down, and you follow the history, and then there would be some famous singer get up in a crane over the New Year's Eve celebration of this city, sing a song, looking for freedom. And the song, would, it's, 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 it's one of those things of the world you look at, and you say, oh, there's, you, you almost see a truth, but it's so sad. The, the, the song would say, looking for freedom, but I, I haven't found it yet. I can't find it, or it was never to be found, something like that. There they were, singing, uh, seeing a freedom, and oh, it was a beautiful thing, seemingly, and it, it's emotional at a human level to see that wall come down. Oh, but, but let me tell you this. There, 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 there's, a, there's a great wall that, that may have held us back from the cross, or there's a great wall that might hold us back in our mind, but I can say this. We don't just sing we're looking for freedom and can't find it. We don't just say that I'm looking for freedom, but it's impossible. This wall will stay forever. We are looking at complete and total freedom that's available to us. We're looking, the, the, the president of the United States, Ronald Reagan, would say a couple of years before to the president of Russia, Mr. Gorbachev, he would say, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. But we can say, under, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, house of hell give way by the power of God. There's no wall that ought to hold us back. There's nothing that can hold us back. This pride of Jesus Christ. Walls are not meant for the middle of our mind. That Berlin Wall had to come down. And, and I'll say tonight, whatever holds us back, may it be torn down. Whether it's a brick by a brick or whether it's blown up by a bomb, let God reign. David would say, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Isaiah chapter 26 you don't have to turn to it, but you can. It would say this in verse 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. I wonder if you can find it, Brother Mark. Isaiah chapter 60, 26, verse 1 to 3. But we'll just start at verse 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. How many wants a peace that passes understanding? How many wants to dwell in that place where there's just peace in the land? Oh, you have to go fight a battle, but there's peace. Have you ever read the first two verses before this famous song? Go to verse one. In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Verse two. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation, let the good come, that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Verse three. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. We have a place of bulwarks and walls, a place that we can defend. And, but I, I have this question for you. How do I keep the borders of my mind? As we begin to wind this thought down, and I, I don't know exactly how we'll land it, but how, how do I keep the walls of my mind? I have so much that comes at me. I'm in the middle of a storm, or I know I'm going to come to my next storm. I don't know. The last time I almost drowned, I don't know how I can make another storm. I don't, I don't know what might come against me, or I don't know, the, the last time was just ugly, and I, it feels like I'm just going down or down, or how do we keep the wall, or, I, or it just feels like I don't have the victory I ought to have. Just that inside, that's something, and it feels like I'm just not strong enough to keep some of these thoughts out and at bay. I, I know I have to rebuild the walls, I, but how do I rebuild the walls? How, how do I keep these, how do I, how do we do it? 
Brother Brandon would lay things out in the greatest battle ever fought. Cut him off at the beginning. Your mind is the place where you make a decision. You can choose to accept it or reject it. He would talk about these, these channels that we have to clear out and allow the word of God to come in and begin to be planted. But let's take it in the context of a city for a moment. Revelations 21, verse 1 to 3 would say, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. There was no more sea. Who is this holy city, that Jerusalem that they were talking about? Zion, who, who, who is the city? Who's the, who's, who's the city that God desires to dwell in and have refuge and peace in? And, and who's the walls? He says, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. Oh, it's the marriage of God and the bride that, that there's somehow that, I don't know how that all works, but Zion types the bride, we know that. But God has a place where he wants to dwell with us. But how can I have walls that are invincible? How can I have a sound mind in a world of insanity? How can I dwell with storms that come? How can I be prepared for the storm? How, how, how can I come to a spot not knowing what punch might come? What if he hit me in my worst spot ever and, 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 and what, what, what might happen? We don't have to fear. That's what the devil wants is that, that dread of you know, what the devil will do week in and week out. And sometimes I just think of the way sometimes the devil is trying to, makes you almost like dread. What's he going to do next? Because sometimes things go wrong and it's not very fun. And what's he going to do next? Or what's this? Or what's going to break? Or what's... What's going to happen? What we should not live in is dread of what the devil is going to do. He should live in dread of what God is going to do through us. We're living in a realm where if the weakest Christian, if the weakest Christian, when he gets on his knees, trembles and prays, I'll say this, just by statistics, if, if there's one of us is the weakest Christian tonight, then the rest of us aren't, so they only tremble the more. It's true. Hell is not a fun place to be. Because it's constantly trembling and shaking. You think that there's harmony in hell? If, 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 the, if the outbreak of wars and things is devils fighting for power in the world and businesses fighting for their places, also the powers of devil in the world, they're not in harmony. So you think in hell it's not just a big place of politics and jockeying and trying to be the biggest devil. And, and then they're shaking all the time because we're praying. And they keep getting cast out and sent back to hell. Oh my, I think we ought to turn the picture sometimes. We can sometimes, we, we sometimes get so looking at the storm and so focused on the storm, how big the storm is, but look how big our God is. He's coming with a rushing mighty wind to send a fire to send that storm right back to where it came from. And if it was allowed to linger a little bit, oh, we're getting a beautiful character that we'll take with us. And I'll say, thy and thy house shall be saved. Oh, let me hold on to that like never before. We can look at impossible circumstances, but it's still the truth. It's still the word of God, and it does not change. We hold on to it. That same faith, that same faith that I applied to me, I come out and I take it like a slingshot, and I send it after my lost brother or sister. Oh, we look at that, and we don't back down for a moment. 
Oh, God, help me. I, I, we get so often beaten back and just like Brother Ed would say, that punching bag for the devil. But God, help me to take my sword out no matter where I am and begin to pull it out and say, I will not take that thought anymore. I won't take that fear anymore, that anxiety. I only look to what God has promised and I don't back down. Oh, let our faith anchor in the word of God. Can we turn to the book of Zechariah as we begin to wind down? I ask you this, who's the walls of your mind? How can we have an invincible wall? How can we be prepared for an oncoming storm? How can we be prepared for that October 7th that wants to take you out? That 9-11 that wants to take you out? That moment in time where the enemy wants to breach your walls and come in through the land and the sea and try to destroy you? How do we be prepared? How can we stand and say, no matter what comes, I know I'm resting in Christ? Zechariah chapter 2, verse 1. Who is the walls of your mind? Oh, we have walls. David would talk about rebuilding the walls. It would say that there was a point in your walls and bulwarks, and there'd be perfect peace. These walls, how do we build it? Where do we go? I lifted up mine eyes again and looked, and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. Then said I, whither goest thou? And he said unto me, to measure Jerusalem. I want to look at the, how, how big is Jerusalem? Let me go around the walls and the borders and let me, whatever would be, excuse, excuse me, whatever would be, to see what is the breadth thereof. I won't say the walls, I'll just say to measure Jerusalem, you'll see why. To see what the breadth thereof and what is the length thereof. I want to see how big this land is. I want to see how great this bride that God has. I want to see What's the measure? Where's her inheritance? Where's her borders? And behold, the man that talked with me went forth, and another angel went out to meet him. And he said unto him, he said, run, speak to this young man, saying, what? Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls for the multitude of men and cattle therein? Oh, verse 5. Why? He says, for I, saith the Lord, will be a wall of fire round about her. And I will be the glory in the midst of her. He said, Jerusalem will be not just a city with walls, but it will be a city and town without walls. I'll be the fire on the inside. How can I stand in this wicked, perverse generation? How can I stand when this storm is building and building and building? How, how do I build the walls? You don't have to do it. Oh, you don't have to do it. For I, saith the Lord, let God be your walls of fire. Let God come and prepare you for that oncoming storm. Whatever storm you're in now, if you feel like the walls are torn down, oh, it's not too late now to have walls be erected. These walls are not just bricks and mortar like they had to do in Nehemiah's day, but these are walls of fire. Now, on the inside, God is the glory in the midst of you. Oh, it'll take a greater wind than this to turn back the, to turn back the bride of Jesus Christ. I'll be a wall fire round about her. Let's stay in the land. As we'd wind down, Brother Branham in the message Salome, we can think, but the storm is still there. What, what about the future? He'd say, now the future, he holds it. How is this going to end? He holds it. How is this going to work out? He holds it. How do I know when he's coming? When is he coming? I don't know, but he'll be here. That's right. When will he do thus and thus? 
When will the curse go off the earth? When will these blessed reflections of God's love, of trees standing here and shining out and the flowers and things, when will they in mortal grow? I don't know, but they will. When will all the reflection of men's hearts desiring to live and hospitals and doctors and operations and crying and grief, when will it all cease to a glorious reign with Jesus of a thousand years of shalom? When will it? I don't know. He said it would be there. I don't know how he's going to do it. But his spoken word will be vindicated when the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And he says this, and the healing part there will not be a physical healing as you think, as saying somebody's got a sickness and it'll be taken away. That's what he's doing now in type, but the whole creature will be changed. Oh, all the knots that's been in our minds, all, all the things, the complexes, there won't be a complex in heaven. There won't be social anxiety in heaven. You won't walk into a room full of believers and, and not, we can have that here in our natural bodies and not feel right among ourselves. That's just human. But there, the whole creature will be changed. It'll be a different thing. I'll say tonight, make straight paths. Let the walls of fire be built up. Let God reign. That's what he's doing. This mortal will take on immortality. This old age will jump into youth. How will it be? I don't know, but it'll be there. In the message, look, what are you looking at? And I'll say tonight, what are you looking at? Did you stop in, in this hideous, hectic day that we're living in? What are you looking for? God has placed everything. The troubling of the water, the first move that God made at the pool of Bethesda, they jumped into it. They got into the promises of God. The sign of the sky in the hand, Elijah, the cloud, the size of a man's hand, like a vapor, what was it? When he saw that, that a sign of abundance of rain, we might look and say, I, I don't see that God's coming. I don't see that the promise of God is coming. But if you just feel that little, Brother Brandon would say, that little grand feeling in your heart that it could be for you, that the Holy Ghost could be for you, take it as your evidence. That size of a man's hand, take it. Hold on to it. Whatever God has promised you tonight, whatever it is, never stop holding on to it. Take it. When that little bit of faith comes and begins to rise, that's your evidence. Keep pushing forward. Faith is the, is the evidence of things hoped for. When hope turns to faith, you say, well, we do look for evidence. It is faith. It's the evidence of things hoped for. When you have the faith, drop in your heart from the mind to the heart. There's nothing that can stop it. Don't disbelieve it. Believe it. Doubt your doubts. Turn to God. He kept believing. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. That cloud became two clouds. Two clouds became a hill. A hill became a mountain. The mountain became another mountain. The first thing you know, the whole skies were thundering. Rain was following, falling. What was it? He accepted God, what God sent. Maybe the musicians would come. Branham would say there was a little boy come in the meeting one time, a little colored boy, I believe. As soon as the service was over, he came running up to Brother Branham. And he said, he said, Parson, he was a southerner, and he said, Parson, I, I want to find the Lord Jesus. This is the message of the oncoming storm. Brother Branham was having a healing service. Maybe he could play something softly. I said, certainly, my brother, I'm, I'm more than happy to lead you to him. Oh, may we be that way if someone would ever say, I want to find Jesus. Lead him to Christ. He said, after 
he'd given his heart to God and he says, I, I wonder, you're, I guess you're wondering why I, I'll paraphrase, but I just ran up to you and I want to give, I, I bet you're wondering why. Well, why am I this way? And he says, my dear old mother was a real Christian. My sisters was Christian. I have one Christian brother. I was the baby of the family and a, a spoiled child to begin with because they babied me and was so good to me. But I wouldn't take heed to my mother or godly relations. I wanted to be a wanderer. I, I wanted to live a man's life, he said. I thought that being a Christian was more like for the women or the weak, he said. And I became a cook. I, I was very good at it. And he said something another. I wanted to go to the north. And one day I staggered into a pulp camp where they were cutting pulp wood. And, and I was broken. So he made a deal with the foreman that he says, well, we can't really pay you, but we can give you a little bit of spending money. You go in. We have a good cook already. And, and a, 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 a lady in there. And you, you go in and you just work with her if she'll take you and we'll pay you a little bit. And one night he was laying there. And he said he kept notice, noticing the, the flashes across the side of the wall. And after a while, he wondered, is somebody outside? And said after a while, he heard a deep roar, and it was a thunder. And he said, heard some voices talking. They said, you know, we, we better get to the horses and take care of them because we may not be here very long. So he, he took the cover off his head, and he, he listened up against the wall, and the lightning flashed, and he saw his, bosses and the, his boss and the Teamsters, and he understood by their talk that there was coming a storm across the mountains, which we call in the Northlands a northerner. It comes quickly without warning. You don't have time to do nothing. The mountains are so high, they just break right over at once. You didn't see it coming. The mountains maybe blocked it. And that flashing had been lightning. And he said, you know, we may not be here after a while. That sounds like a terrible twister or a tornado coming. And he said, I begin to think, I hope it doesn't strike here, the young boy. I know I'm not ready to go. Brother Branham says, sometimes you wait too long, you know. Then he said, just in a few moments, the winds began to blow and the trees began to rock. And, and he, he listened and the canvas between him and where the old lady slept, she was beating on the canvas and she said, son, oh son. And he said, yes. She said, would you come over to my side? And I, I have a lantern lit. And he said, I went over to her because I was scared to death. Said she had a lantern sitting on an old soapbox and she said, I'd like to ask you something. He said, yes, ma'am. She said, is you ready to meet the Lord? He says, then I got really scared. He says, no, ma'am, I'm not. Well, she said, honey, I want to tell you something. You'd better make ready now because you may have to meet him unprepared in the next few minutes. He said, will you kneel with me here? And we knelt down by the side of that old soapbox. And he said, Parson, I'm going to tell you, telling Brother Branham, I was too scared to pray. The trees were slamming against the building and the lightning flashing, the thunder shaking. I was too scared to pray. I started to say, Lord, be merciful. And bang would go the lightning. He'd say, oh, where was I at? Lord, be merciful. He was so scared. He knew he wasn't, wasn't right. He said, but I learned a lesson. That old sainted woman, she had the walls of her mind there. That old Satan woman said just as cool and happy as she could ever be. She talked to him like she had known him since she was a baby, like he was her mother or father. She was no more disturbed than nothing. I was, we were out for a walk not long ago, and I began to just think, what have we to worry about, Brother Andrew Chuck, careful for nothing? If we're in Christ, and this battle is more spiritual than natural, there's nothing that can happen to us. Nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nakedness, peril, distress, nothing. 
Your worst injury, your worst nightmare can happen. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing could happen to us that would be out of the plan of God. All things work together for good to them that are in Christ. We can make wrong choices, we'll pay for them. I I understand that. But when things come that we didn't set up our own selves sometimes, and and sometimes disaster strikes, it seems, and and it wasn't of our own self, but, but a trial, and something we didn't want, it's okay. God's in control. The land that we're walking in, God's prepared us, he's predestinated us, and he will see us through. Whatever storm you're facing now, storms come and storms go. They'll come and they'll go, and we'll be on to the next thing. The place that we're in today, keep walking. He said, he said that, is it possible he got another chance? He said, finally these words came out, I was scared to death. Lord, if you would just let me live, I'll find a place where it's more quieter, I'll come to you. And then he got another chance. Brother Brown says, he got another chance, but you might not. When the judgments of God, when the true storm, the true oncoming storm, these vials and things that are prepared for a world that's dying, when the judgments of God begin to pour out, there's no more chance. You've got your chance now. Tonight is your chance. The storm was on him. Maybe you'll have another night, but maybe you won't. Parson, is it possible, he says, for me to be like that tucked away like that in safety where death comes upon me and I can enter in and talk to him like that old saint did. Brother Branham says, Son, the blood of Jesus Christ that made her that way can make you that way right now. Not a law. He says, the blood of Jesus Christ that made her that way can make you that way right now. I was standing by that my automobile. He was a well-dressed boy, cultured, educated. He fell on his knees in the muddy yard. There he found that hiding place, that refuge in the time of storm, that rock in a weary land. You don't have to be weary as long as you're in that rock. That rock is one place that's not weary. The rock is the satisfying place. You can just sit back and look out, just as safe as you can be. There's an hour coming, and now is, and the ceiling is about over, that where every man or woman on the face of the earth is going to, that is going to be in that place of refuge, like it was in the days of Noah, or on the outside of it. You've got to make your choice. That safety is Jesus Christ. He's the only place, the only one, that has eternal life. No man can come to the Father but by me. He is the ark of our safety. Oh, my. Create in me a clean heart, O God. O create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within. Within me 
And renew 